1: Welcome back to another episode of Lunchtime Movie Review, the podcast where we look back at some of our childhood favorites to see if they stand the test of time. I'm Patrick.
2: I'm
3: Chad. And I'm Lori. And I'm Shane.
1: And this week we're reviewing 1982's Grease 2. But before we get into our lovely summary provided to us by the lovely Lori Flores, first a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by pink lady wire coat hangers. Did you miss your last two periods? Did the pollen know where to go? Then try the Swiss army knife of coat hangers, a pink lady wire coat hanger for that special occasion when a boy and a girl don't know how to play it safe. This is one real cool rider under the hood and will fix any problem quicker than an English boy on a motorcycle. These portable and stylish coat hangers will be bringing all the T-Birds to your yard and vice versa. Quick and effective, they can easily be used in between classes, so you're never late again. So what are you waiting for? You don't want to die wearing your mother's underwear? Hurry over to Principal McGee's office and get your Pink Lady wire coat hanger before supplies run out. Ms. Mason will be giving free wire coat hanging d- demonstrations in the biology lab each fun Friday with Mr. Stewart.
0: I couldn't have gone mommy dearest with wire I, hanging.
1: He could have, but we are not reviewing Mommy Dearest. <laughs> we're reviewing Grease Two. So Lori, you have a summary for us?
0: I do. Grease two takes us back to Rydell High School two years after Danny and Sandy graduated. Frenchie actress Dee Kahn, the beauty school dropout, is back in high school and hanging out with Australian Sandy's limey cousin Michael, played by Maxwell Caulfield. Rydell still has the T-Birds and the Pink Ladies, except the Pink Ladies don't look nearly as old, and the T-Birds are not as threatening. The T-Birds are now led by Johnny, Adrian Zamed, and Stephanie, the amazing Michelle Pfeiffer, is the queen of the Pink Ladies. The couple has just broken up, and they are so heartbroken about it, they can't even manage to sing about it. Because this is high school, there are plenty of love triangles. Johnny wants to get back together with the uninterested Stephanie, but is dating Paulette played by Lorna Luft, Judy Garland's daughter. Michael falls for the beautiful Stephanie. Stephanie thinks she's in love with a mysterious cool rider on a motorcycle who is actually Michael in disguise. But despite the fact that Steph wants to ride the cool rider's hog, Michael lacks the courage to tell her who he is. There are several other couples, but I'm keeping this summary short and sweet. Michael promises to reveal himself to her at the annual talent show, which seems to have replaced the big dance-off. Stephanie's motorcycle crush arrives, but is rudely chased off by the T-Birds. He attempts a risky jump, and it looks as if he doesn't make it, although no one sees his body or his bike in the ravine. Remember, we are talking about Einsteins here. Well, except for Michael, who does everyone's homework and is the hardest-working student at Rydell. After the cool writer's apparent death, Stephanie is devastated and checks out emotionally. She can barely sing her part in the talent show and becomes entranced on stage, but that's okay. She still wins the contest with her eerie impromptu solo. Flash forward to the end of the year luau, which has obviously replaced the carnival Danny and Sandy smashed. Stephanie and Johnny are named luau king and queen. A rival gang shows up and begins to wreak havoc upon the festivities. Stephanie's motorcycle love shows up just in time to save the day. He takes off his helmet for the big reveal. Michael is the cool writer. Stephanie embraces him. Johnny offers him a T-bird jacket. And all the other couples pair up and sing another song about being together forever. Then we get to catch glimpses of another Rydell High School yearbook as the credits roll. And that was Grease too.
1: You kept writing the writing is hog joke in. I'm so proud of you, Lori. I didn't know if you did. <laughs> I <laughs> I don't I mean, well that. done, Laurie <laughs> Alright, Grease 2 Released on June 11th, 1982 The same day as E.T. No wonder it didn't do well uh, The same month as Hanky Panky Poltergeist, Star Trek 2, The Wrath of Khan Firefox, Megaforce Where deeds, uh, not words, matter The Thing and Blade <laughs> Runner grossed just over $15 million, was the 51st highest grossing film of 1982, behind Death Wish 2, Kiss Me Goodbye with uh, James Caan and Sally Field, and the re-release of Star Wars. Yes, the re-release of Star Wars five years later did better than this film. (laughs) It was also uh, finished in front of The Secret of Nim*, Halloween 3, The Season of the Witch, the worst in the entire Halloween series, and Diner. Uh, so, Grease too. I guess we could start with one of the talking po- points I wanted to talk about. Obviously considered a major dud of a film. Grease was such a huge hit. Um, one of Laurie's all-time favorites, because we reviewed it on Lunchtime Movie Review for her. But this, this just had some bad luck, too. <laughs> this film came out in... I know we've reviewed it in a, a prior uh, LTMR hindsight of June 1982, which, in historically, some have considered the biggest month and possibly best month of film releases ever. Um, and when you look at it, E.T., Poltergeist, Star Trek II, even Blade Runner and The Thing, all cons- uh, not all necessarily box office hits, but it was a huge month for film. Did this film suffer from just coming out at a bad time?
3: Oh, you know, I think the legacy of the original Greece was so huge, and to take them this long uh, to make a sequel might have made the sort of uh, people's interest wane a little bit, but uh, yeah, that is very bad luck. Uh, I agree. Coming out against DT, that's the movie everyone would have been lining up to see for sure, but I just think most of this film is clumsy filmmaking. It's... It's not that well made, and that's uh, part of the problem. Uh, the songs are okay, but, yeah, it's bad timing with the release. I just don't think it had enough interest levels were that high to go and see a sequel to Greece at that time.
2: Yeah, I don't think this would have been a popular movie if it was made and released at a, the opportune moment, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> It's just one of those that you can tell it was made on the fly and they were writing the script as they were making the movie and probably even casting the movie as they were making the movie. So um, I enjoy watching it. I, it still makes me laugh at times because it's sort of bad, but it, it, it like Shane said, it's not very good filmmaking.
1: Laurie, I couldn't help but notice in the previous podcast of the top five musicals, you didn't put Grease 2 in there.
0: I did not. Okay. I did not. I I completely agree with with Shane and Chad that it's not that well-made of a movie, which they had a great cast that it had so much potential. Did they? <laughs> I I think Michelle Pfeiffer is good. Michelle Pfeiffer and, is
1: good. Went on to obviously be a very esteemed actress.
0: Yes, um I have to say I remembered when I watched it, I remembered her as being better. <laughs> than I, I thought it was, uh, you know, I remembered it as being, wow, she was so amazing. I watched it again. She was good, but it wasn't as amazing as I, as I thought it was, but it was still really good. I didn't think Maxwell Caulfield was bad. I didn't think anybody was, was it, the, I think that there wasn't the chemistry between the, the pink ladies and the T-Birds that there was in the original movie. But I, I, I think that's the. I think it's the script because I have seen Grease the play. If if there's a local high school doing it, I will go see it, and it is just so well written and so fun that, I mean, these when these high school groups do it, it's it's great. It's it's just such an amazing play, and and I think that translated to the film. And I think that Grease too lost that in the translation and i also think it lost some of the innocence of greece and i know greece i know the songs are but i couldn't understand what they were singing and i had my own words <laughs> and so i it still seemed innocent to me but there's no misinterpreting the meaning of the songs in greece too
1: no 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 it is very sexually driven
0: it's very raunchy and i think that's part of the problem i th- i think greece you could still you know, consider it a family movie because I thought they said "Scream" and
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, you thought, but that's not. They said the <laughs> no, chicks but I'm cream. just <laughs> saying
0: I could think that, and you can't with with Grease too. There's, it's just, it's just so in your face. There's no innuendo. It's, it's, it's in your face. So.
1: No, okay. my- I, I don't know reproduction. I think there's a lot of innuendo there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, well, the whole song about reproduction, those words. Uh, yeah, there's plenty of innuendo. I
0: I meant, I I didn't mean it that way. I meant, it's. Uh, I don't. I'm not saying what I meant, but it's <laughs> it's, it's it's not really innuendo. It's they're saying it. <laughs> I guess is what I'm trying to say.
2: Pretty much if you say we're going to score tonight. Exactly. I think that's uh, pretty much hitting everybody right in the face.
0: Exactly. It's not innuendo. It's said.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well and that seems to be every you know we're going to score tonight reproduction um let's do it for our country. I mean every song is it just seems like it's a one trick pony. And that that's not what Greece was about. Greece was actually a romance film between two characters and yeah. kind of the the longing or this awkwardness uh that you know be, between the two of them that they can't get you know like uh, they can't get together or the circumstances aren't right and ultimately they do but this film is, and also a lot of going off on the tangents of some of these characters, like like the whole, let's do it for our country. That seemed like just, I don't really care about these two characters. Why are we stopping to hear this song?
2: And to be honest with you, my thought was none of these kids are even having sex with each other. I think they're all virgins, but that's all they're singing about is having sex. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. I, I think that there's an awesome opening number. I like how it starts. I think that's great, and that it's all downhill from there. And when it got to the bowling alley scene, and they're doing that song where they're pirouetting and doing ballet moves down the bowling alley, <laughs> I, I, I kind of lost it there. The nuns joined in. <laughs> yeah, it has good intentions, and I know it's got fans out there, but it is a terrible film. <laughs>
1: Wow, and you don't badmouth too many films, so you're usually pretty generous to films.
3: I'm the I one I did who like does Mich- that. Michelle Pfeiffer. I think her singing in it, singing "Cool Rider," was good, and it has a few good elements. But overall, I was struggling to finish it.
1: Well, let's talk about Michelle Pfeiffer. This is her, I want to say her breakout role, but it's not really her breakout role, but this is kind of her first leading role. You know, Laurie's kind of uh, said that she thought she, uh, did you say she sang better, or do you think her acting was bad, Laurie?
0: it it just wasn't what I remembered because I remember thinking how could this movie have not been a hit with her in it and then I watched it again and I thought okay I see how it was well
1: but she also wasn't Michelle Pfeiffer she was the right. unknown actress Michelle Pfeiffer at this time with the unknown yeah. actor Maxwell Clawfield. Mm-hmm. so I mean it, it would be years before he'd be recognized for Empire Records so <laughs> his true uh, artistic expression uh-huh. <laughs> But um, so, you know, so it's to say that, you know, why didn't people go see it? There was nobody in this film to see.
2: (laughs) No. Yeah. Sid Caesar. um, Okay, okay, That pretty much says it. So, yeah, you're right. There was nobody in this movie. I mean, when she was the uh, I'll say Michelle Pfeiffer was the best part of the movie or in terms of her singing, dancing, acting. Uh, Everybody else was. Far below her, but yeah, I thought she did a great job. But you're right, she wasn't Michelle Pfeiffer yet. This was like her second or third acting gig ever. So yeah, I mean, you can watch it for her now. But yeah, she was not Michelle Pfeiffer yet.
1: Yeah, I mean it's if when Grease came out, John Travolta was John Travolta. He was coming off Saturday Night Fever. Everyone knew who he was. He had box office appeal. There's no but. There's no box office appeal here. And then you bring it out in a month that has arguably some of the you know one of the biggest months of all time, uh, as far as box office releases. You know it was it was just poison. You know there was there was no way this film was going to do well. And and I will agree, it was a bad movie to start with. But you think that based off the fact that it's called Grease Two, it's going to have some sort of built-in audience that's going to make it do a little better. I mean this this film did. Less than probably 12 or 13% Of what the original film did at the box office That's 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 an immense drop
0: I'm sure that was because of the word of mouth
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah and everyone would have been Off to CET as well But I remember hearing at some point That Jennifer Beals was going to play Stephanie but Paramount Pictures Who also made Flashdance She dropped out to do Flashdance Instead of this so I don't know if Michelle Was actually the first choice
0: no, Does Jennifer Bill sing.
3: Well, see that might be another reason she didn't play the <laughs> role. <wrong. laughs> she she can't dance either. But I I'd, I'd like to dance. <laughs> so,
1: well, maybe she said, "So I can do this other film, and I don't have to sing in that, right? You'll just play music, and I'll dance around, or someone will dance <laughs> around for me." And
3: yeah, and, and I, I mean can... Michelle Pfeiffer sings in the Fabulous Baker Boys a few years later as well. So we've established that she can sing, and I, I like her. But yeah, right, she hasn't. She's not the Michelle Pfeiffer we know at that point.
2: Yeah, because what I read, they wanted everyone from Jennifer Beals to Cher to Deb- Debbie Harry to uh, Pat Benatar to Kim Carnes. I mean, it was just like a who's who of singers from the 1980s and young actresses that they thought they could break out in this movie. But nobody wanted to take the role. And unfortunately, Michelle Pfeiffer was the one who was almost like the leftover. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, un- unfortunately, but she, I mean, very quickly after this. She's she's around the same time she's in Scarface, uh, which leads her into doing a much better roles. She's in Lady Hawk a couple of years later. She's into a film, an underappreciated film that I love called Into the Night with her and Jeff Goldblum. That I think mm. is a great great film and it should be seen by more people because I think it's very very enter- entertaining. But she has Lady Hawk and then in a few short years Tequila Sunrise and um and then she's got the fabulous Baker Boys, which I think was her first Oscar nomination. So. That's that was you know then and by that point she is michelle pfeiffer oh witches of eastwick how could i forget that
3: yeah the witches of eastwick uh, oh yeah no she really went on to things but i mean going from this to scarface what a leap that was
1: yeah from one turd film to another i hate scarface (laughs) i do not like that movie Chewing scenery the entire time, but that's I, I digress. So
3: I I never realized that Lorna Luft was the uh, sister of Liza Minnelli either. That's Laurie in your introduction Our said that and daughter No that daughter daughter. Oh,
0: she's Lisa like Minnelli's sister. <laughs> she's yeah. Liza Minnelli's. Yeah. Oh,
1: sorry, I was thinking um, yeah. Judy Garland Judy, Judy Garland.
0: Yeah, she has. Uh, Sid Luft was one, one uh, Judy's last husband, I believe, and she has a brother Joey. And then Liza was Vincent Minnelli's.
1: Yeah, I remember that around the time this film came out, and she had a very kind of abbreviated film career. This this is the most substantial of the films. She she did not have the success that Liza did. And I don't think she can sing like Liza could either, so that might explain why not as successful.
3: Uh, One thing about Grease too is I noticed they seem to be smoking a lot around the schoolyard. No one stopped them. At one point the teacher came out and he swallowed the cigarette, but uh, most of the time they were just lighting up willy-nilly.
0: Rodell had gone downhill.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> it, it was in a bad neighborhood of Hollywood town, so it was Right.
2: <laughs> you also made a note on here of horrible songs.
1: Oh yeah, well we kind of talked. The, the, the songs are just not as good as the previous film. Like there were hits out of Greece. There was no hits out of this. Not, I mean, I'll agree with Shane. I think the uh, opening song back to school, I think that's the strongest song of the entire film. And then yeah. after that, I just, I, I just don't care for any of them. And having not seen it for about, I don't know, 20 years, <laughs> it's, I was surprised one, how well I remembered the songs, but two, how, how badly they're, they're just performed that they're just, I don't, they're just horrible.
2: I've always thought that much like the script, that the songs were made on the fly because they are that bad and unmemorable. I mean, yes, we remember the words and the scenes, but they're not like going to be a song you're ever going to hear on the radio. And you're not going to run out and buy the soundtrack so you can hear the songs over and over again. That's mm. how bad they really are.
0: I, didn't, I also didn't like the choreography. Um, the choreography in Greece was really fun, and and Greece was just it was just fun. It was fifties nostalgia. I don't think there was any agenda or anything. It, it was just fun, and and you didn't. I didn't feel the fun with this film.
3: Yeah, definitely no nostalgia here. Well, you know, you're looking for where Grease worked.
1: Once again, where Grease, I think, worked one already an established musical, but two is John Travolta and the box office appeal. Here you have you have nobody, I, nobody I know, in a film about '60s, and the, it's still the catering audience is that kind of that 18 to 25 year olds the moviegoers at the time. And what do they care about? 1980 or 1961 in 1982 i mean it's it's not like they're nostalgic for it i I think they miss their audiences it's it's supposed to be a teen movie but the teenagers aren't going to relate to it you know possibly in 1982 because they're already having sex and not just singing about it but that's that's just (laughs) my.
2: but i agree with you i mean the original movie had six seven years on broadway something like that before it became a feature film so you had something to build-off of and some established songs, established characters, people had something to go with. This one, like I said earlier, from everything I've read, they basically were writing this on the fly. I mean, D.D. Kahn's character, she's admitted, was there in the beginning, goes halfway through the movie, and then they basically told her to go home, that they didn't need her character any longer.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah they didn't because that was the one character i really wanted to see come back from greece is the <laughs> dd khan uh, i mean and they yeah they really did i mean she kind of sets up michael which is another thing he's he's the australian girl's british cousin you know yeah, i didn't
2: get that yeah shane do you have
3: many british cousins <laughs> uh no i don't have any relations over there in england Okay. Yeah, it, it was an odd, um, an odd thing to make up. And again, I think Chad's right. A lot of this was just tacked on and seemed like not really thought out very well, including that distant relation from Britain.
0: Well, I know they made Sandy Australian for Olivia Newton-John, but that worked because she yeah. was so am- amazing in the role and so charismatic. And she also was a box office draw. She was a a singing sensation. I mean, everybody knew who she was. So sh- so don't just give Don Travolta the credit.
2: <laughs> hey, he was a sweat hog. Everybody knew who he was <laughs> at the time.
3: Oh, no. Olivia Newton-John is a national treasure down under. We all love her.
1: Is she still, even to this day?
3: Yeah, yeah. She actually performed on stage and did a concert with uh, another Australian singer called John Farnham this year. Oh. They did a... A tandem concert, which was sold out over three nights in Sydney, and it probably went around Australia. But, you know, she's still very much in demand. She pops up in the odd movie as well, Australian film, but uh, not worth mentioning what those movies were, because we don't make very good movies sometimes, but she's still around and people do adore her and, yeah, national treasure.
1: Now, did you see this in Australia when you were a kid?
3: I did. I did. I actually saw it uh, at the Entrance Cinema, which is one down the road from me where I live. And I wrote, back then, even as a child, I was writing down little reviews of all the films I saw. And I enjoyed it back then. It was entertaining, obviously. But uh, it didn't, now I don't like it anywhere near as much as I must have as a nine-year-old.
1: Well, because Olivia wasn't in it, they weren't burning the theatres and protests?
3: (laughs) No, not that I can remember. It was during the school holidays that it was released here and... uh, yeah no, no. I think that by that time Greece was popular still, but it, I mean, if they were going to do a sequel to Greece, it should have been sooner to to really get, I don't know, strike while it's hot, but that didn't happen. That's another reason I think this movie is such um, not well received.
0: Interesting side note. My mom has a program. she saw the touring Broadway version of Greece. And John Travolta and Jeff Conway were in the ensemble before what? they were famous. Yeah. They weren't main they weren't even the main, main characters.
1: Well. That's that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't they come back for Grease too? Come on.
2: <laughs> Apparently they tried to get Jeff Conway to come back and have a bit part, uh, like as the uh, I don't know, as the owner of one of the gas stations or something like that, but uh, he didn't want to do it. Yeah, no, he had
1: too much taxi coke money at that time. He mm, to probably.
2: And do it.
3: Uh, I got a chance to interview Maxwell Caulfield. He was in Australia doing a play earlier this year. Uh, he's married to Juliet Mills. Haley Mills' sister, uh-huh. and the three the three of them were all here uh, doing a, a live stage show called Legends, and I got a chance to chat with him, and we talked a little bit about Greece too. He said he enjoyed making it, but he he didn't want to talk about Michelle Pfeiffer, so I don't know why, but he, he didn't
2: want to dwell on that, uh, which re- I didn't push him for.
1: Yeah, reportedly uh, he did not get along
3: with her.
2: <laughs> yep, she th- thought he was all about himself and didn't like him very much, and he sort of didn't like her in retort. I oh, enjoyed He said he enjoyed
3: being on the set and making the film and had a had a good time. Yeah.
0: When we were um doing Empire Records and I was reading about him there was something where he was quoted as saying that um he felt it ruined his career.
1: Greece too. Yeah. Sorry. Mhm. No, I think some of the films he chose to do after this probably did that pretty well, but <laughs> a lot of the films. He he didn't pick a lot of really good projects, uh, except for Empire Records. Not, that was a good one. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, Empire Records Day. is fantastic. All
0: over it. Um, I think you already kind of said you didn't think it was, the, the plot was very poorly written. It wasn't, a, I didn't think it was a love story. I mean, she didn't even know the motorcycle writer. She was just kind of in love with an idea where Danny and Sandy really cared about each other and in their own way sacrificed things for each other. I mean, they fumbled, but but they ended up both I mean, it's actually kind of sweet how when he shows up as a jock and she shows up in that outfit as a slut. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You know what? It's funny because it was hard. I think I shared that with you. It was hard for me to have my daughter watch Grease, even though it was one of my favorite movies, because it's such a bad message for you
1: have to children. change for the boy
0: exactly exactly so i didn't show it to her till she was older and then you, i was like
1: you should have shown her don't change you should show her Greece too where the girl doesn't change for anybody you have to change for me you have to become what i want you to be and only then will i give you attention
0: that is a better message <laughs> Just
3: kidding. Well, well that's exactly right michael changes he goes through the motions of learning how to ride a motorbike and become the cool cool kid sort of thing and to be accepted and I mean, he, he's doing everyone's homework in a nuclear fallout shelter too. <laughs> I thought that was a nice touch.
1: Anything else on? Gre- got, uh, this, sometimes when you like, they're just bad. We just like it sucks. I don't have. That's all we have to say. <laughs> like, there's nothing else. To, to,
0: I wanted to like it. Well,
1: yeah.
3: So did I. I actually thought I'd enjoy it again, but uh, it just was. I was struggling to get through it, and then the longer it went, the worse it got. Uh, that opening number, as we've already said, was. Highlight and it was all downhill from there. It's even Christopher McDonald, who played Goose, he's a pretty good actor. He's in a lot of stuff, but uh, you know, he's I know he's young in this too. But he's they're almost running around as if there's no marks to set. There's just like throwaway lines all the way through it. And they thought, well, well, that'll do. And the filmmakers didn't bother editing it. It's it's just clumsy filmmaking. And the director was the choreographer. Wasn't one of the choreographers on the original Grease, and she never went on to make another movie after Grease, too. By the way,
1: good,
2: <laughs> yeah, Bravo. Yeah. So, yep.
1: Are you are you sure she didn't have something something to do with Can't Stop the Music?
3: <laughs> Patricia Birch. No, she didn't have anything to do with the Village People. They did that all by themselves. <laughs> That's a good movie. You'll have to watch it, Laurie. Steve Gutenberg on roller skates.
0: I, will. I, will. I hope it's available somewhere. Can you get that on voodoo Patrick?
1: I have to, no, I'm not going to track that down for you on voodoo. Sorry. You're going to have to find that one on your own. I'm not paying to add that to my account. All right, let's go around and say whether we like the film back in the day when we were young and foolish and whether it stands the test of time. Uh, Chad.
2: Well, I loved the movie when I was a kid because it was my favorite bad movie, and I still think it's my favorite bad movie, and I will watch it whenever I get a chance to, but no, it doesn't stand the test of time because it is one of the worst movies I've ever seen, but that's about all I can say about it. It's the only reason I watch it because I think it's bad, and it just mesmerizes me because of how bad it is.
1: Did you think it was bad back then?
2: I really did. I didn't think it was a good movie ever. I just w- enjoyed watching it because it was so bad. Uh, it was just really weird how I enjoyed watching this catastrophe. Laurie?
0: I really wanted to like it. I was so excited <laughs> for grief 2, but I, I watched it, and I, I watched it too many times. I watched it when it was on, but I never owned the soundtrack, which, you know, says a lot. And I never... um. I never owned the movie and and I owned Greece. I owned it on beta and then I owned it on VHS. <laughs> I owned it on <laughs> I did. I, I mean so I never owned Greece too, so I think that, that speaks for itself.
3: Uh Shane? uh well i'm certainly no song and dance aficionado and at the time of release i really enjoyed it i gave it six out of ten and i've got the movie review to prove it but then returning (laughs) and he sent it to me
1: and laurie so i know it's true it's awesome yes
3: I actually loved it back then. I probably thought it was entertaining. I would have been looking at Michelle Pfeiffer too, thinking she's incredibly beautiful, and I still do now. But watching it, um, I just I wasn't entertained. I thought I thought things are looking good at the start with that opening number and the dancing around the high school, but then it dropped pretty quickly and kept dropping, and uh, didn't like it. And it doesn't stand the test of time for me. All right.
1: I, I did not see it in the theaters. I saw it on the HBO loop, how I saw most films in the early 80s. I, I saw it all the time. I loved it when I was a kid. And I think I made mention mentioned this when we reviewed Grease on Movie House Memories. I didn't see Grease first. I saw Grease 2 first. And then I went back and saw Grease later. Um, so this film caused me to watch Grease because I liked Grease 2 so much. Uh, And for a while, I'd say I probably liked Grease 2 better because I was more familiar with the music and the songs. But I have not seen this probably since the mid-80s. And now having grown up, matured, brain fully developed it's a it's it's a piece of crap it's it's horrible it's just really really bad and and but it's not even bad in an entertaining aspect it's just bad it's just it seems like a one-trick pony that and i look at the cast and i go i don't you know i like michelle pfeiffer i think she's beautiful i don't think she's a great singer but she she's you know she does a serviceable job i just didn't like any i didn't care about the storyline i didn't care about the characters and it just has none of the chemistry or the kind of as i kind of said earlier the magic of the first film so no i do not think it stands the test of time all right, that does it for this week's review of Grease 2. Thanks again for joining us and listening to our little podcast. If you had a good time, the fun doesn't have to stop here. You can follow us on Facebook at Lunchtime Movie Review or on Twitter at lunchtime movie on either facebook or twitter you can keep up on our written film reviews news on upcoming films and blu-ray releases and information on upcoming podcasts on the mhn podcast network including movie ass memories lunchtime movie review mail bonding the number two review film house hustlers and sunday seconds with the duke Uh, that's too many to mention additionally you can follow us on our little side projects Lori appears regularly on Movie House Memories as well as Sunday Seconds with the Duke, our John Wayne retrospective podcast where she gets an education in all things John Wayne from Chris and myself, uh, and you can follow her on Twitter at LAF335. Shane writes regularly for sydneyunleashed.com, is in a contributor to cult gogo.com you can follow him on twitter at movie underscore analyst where you can keep up on his film reviews and celebrity interviews chad appears uh, frequently on here on lunchtime movie review and we hope to get him on some of the other podcasts here in the near future you can follow him on twitter at this underscore is underscore cmm finally, if you've enjoyed yourselves and you download us off either iTunes or Stitcher, make sure, make sure to rate our little podcast on either one of those two platforms. And if you have a chance, write a short review of the podcast. Of course, we always like the reviews that are positive, but we appreciate any feedback that we can get from any listeners of the show. Well, that does it for this episode of Lunchtime Movie Review. Until next time, I'm Patrick.
2: I'm Chad.
3: I'm Lori, And I'm Shane.
1: And we got to get out of here right now. And you guys are invited. This podcast is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The theme music for Lunchtime Movie Review, Fireworks, is provided courtesy of Alexander Nakaranda at serpentsoundstudios.com under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the MHN Podcast Network, Lunchtime Movie Review, and Fuzzy Bunny Slippers Entertainment, LLC, unless otherwise noted.